Welcome to Propagate, where we grow in community by multiplying healthy groups through the ministry of the Word. This is a podcast by growth group leaders for growth group leaders. Thanks for joining us today. Here are your hosts. Hello, growth group leaders, and welcome to this week's edition of Propagate, where we grow in community by multiplying healthy groups through the ministry of the Word. I am your host, Josh Smith. And this is Zach Dietrich here. And Zach... uh, Let me try that again. Because I always say this is Zach Dietrich here, and I don't want to have a constant, like, i got to come up with... Hi, this is Zach Dietrich. And... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know my name was that funny to you. <laughs> and uh, it does sound funny. And it, it's not your name, but it's who is represented by the name, your personality, if you will, Zach. You are just a funny guy. Uh, if if you took the uh, Myers Briggs, like going to be a short podcast coming. I have to go go cry now. <laughs> if you took the Myers Briggs, you'd make the the. F stand for funny instead of feeling. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, happy happy to help. Um, but let me just open up, Zach. What have you ever taken personality tests? I think I've taken a few. I probably took one in high school. I uh, don't remember any of those. That's a long time ago. I I for sure took one when I was working at a bank for about ten years. So that was a management tool that some manager thought was slick at that time. Not sure how they used it for me or against me, but I, I think it was a disc test that we took. Oh, uh, yep. yep. Disc, pretty common stuff there. Um, I think I realized that on any one of the personality tests, my personality is the one who doesn't like personality tests. <laughs> I, now, now that you mention it. You can't it. categorize me. <laughs> Either that or I'm like, well, yes, I already knew I was quiet and introverted and like to take the long way to an answer. <laughs> I uh, I have taken numerous personality tests over the years. Uh, I did the Enneagram. Don't uh, cast me out of the church now for yes, believing that demonic New Ageism. Bring that up with you. So, um, yes. Yeah, I beat you to the punch there. But uh, I found out I'm a one. I came out as a as an ISFJ in the Myers-Briggs with an assertive leaning. Never done it. Um, I uh, uh, I came out as a Ravenclaw in the Hogwarts. <laughs> Hogwarts <laughs> yes, I do one. think I have taken that test. Oh, here we go. And not surprisingly, I was not Slytherin. I was not <laughs> Gryffindor even, that, but like that forgotten Hufflepuff. So, yes, that's you, prob- I think that's where I landed most recently when I took a, uh, a test. I probably put more stock in that than... Anything else? But again, that's just me. The the no real offense qu- to people who really like them. The real question, Zach, is what was your Patronus? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually done one of those. So. Don't don't laugh at me. I did do one of these as well, yeah. and uh, my wife makes fun of me for it all the time. But I my Patronus, and if this doesn't make any sense to you at all, growth group leaders, don't worry. But uh, a Patronus is basically what your spirit animal is in, in the wizarding world of J.K. Rowling. It doesn't sound um, quite as bad in the books as the way you just made it sound No, right it, it does not. But, but my spirit animal, uh, my Patronus, is a pheasant. A pheasant, okay. It's the most embarrassing thing. <laughs> What's your spirit animal? Oh, well, I get hunted for sport regularly. 
Now, I might actually have to go Google one of those tests and do that a little bit later. Pottermore.com. Growth group leaders, if you if you go and take the test, let us know, and uh, we will laugh and cry with you. <laughs> but we're talking about personality tests today because uh, today we are going to be introducing the Bible's personality test. Oh, or no. that's what some don't, people would have you think. Don't go there. Oh, no. Because uh, no, we're... I know exactly, yeah. We're talking about spiritual gifts in this edition of Third Thursday Theology. And uh, we're going to continue talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which a couple of listeners earlier this week told me that I never clarified something, and it's kind of uh, on my fault, but they said, "Is are these episodes called Third Thursday Theology or Third Person Theology? And I I've actually gone into your emails and corrected this a couple of times, not knowing you were intentionally. I was. I was intentionally confusing in an effort to be clear. Um, and basically, we're doing Third Thursday Theology. So even next year, uh, in the next growth group season, when we're focusing on another doctrine, maybe the doctrine of God or the doctrine of, uh, of the church, we'll call it something else, but those will still be called Third Thursday Theology. I simply tried to be punny and pithy by calling our doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, third person theology as um, yeah, this not, year's no, emphasis of until Third today. Thursday Theology. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a little clarification for you. Is it Third Thursday Theology or Third Person Theology? Yes, it's always going to be third person, uh, third Thursday theology. Here I am confusing myself, but this year it's third person theology since it's on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, but Zach, why, why do? How have you seen some people use spiritual gifts as a personality test? Uh, I would guess that not once, but a handful of times within. I would guess that a few times throughout my life, I've actually been given personality tests that uh, help me see what my abilities or my spiritual gifts might be. And do you have the gift of teaching? Do you have the gift of service? What what might it be? And so then you use that test to kind of help you figure out where you should pursue a career or where you should actually fit in within the, the local church. And uh, that, can, that can be helpful, I suppose. But... Um, I think upon further reflection, I'm not as convinced that they're as helpful because they have a, a short-sighted view of what the role of spiritual gifts would be within a local church context. Yes. Uh, I've uh, taken numerous spiritual gift inventories over the the past several years, and uh, I've gotten different answers on them at any given point. Once I was told I had the spiritual gift of being an apostle. Uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> uh, but then at other times, I'll get the spiritual gift of teaching or the spiritual gift of uh, like counseling or um, discipleship or something like that. And uh, this so, is so how I just give like a, a quick example of where a, a test is itself not neutral. It brings theology into it. So mm-hmm. uh, depending on what the source of it is, it might be like, do you have a propensity to linguistics or translation? Uh, and they would see 
uh, that or or like a, a love of modern languages as a representation of um, the gift of tongues. And what they've just done there in that particular test is read in a particular view of spiritual gifts. So even the test itself isn't isn't as neutral as it claims. It is first beginning beginning with its own interpretation of the Bible. That that would just be like, like why why they they can be helpful, but why they're not as neutral as we might think. Yeah, and uh, we actually have a, I don't know if you knew this or not, Zach, we have a little bit of a spiritual gifts inventory we use here at the church. It's not really a spiritual gifts inventory. I said that to trigger you, um, but uh, when people mark on a Connect card that they'd like to, to join in, ser- in serving uh, here at the church, they um, are sent this form. And they're asked, do you know where you'd like to serve? If they say no, then we give them a list of a bunch of different things. And it says things like, uh, I'm a people person and find joy when I invest in relationships with others. Or I thrive on details, to-do lists, and organizing. Uh, Maybe I'm friendly, outgoing, and love helping new people feel welcome. And uh, based on their answers in these, we're able to say, hey, uh, we think you would be able to start serving in these particular areas. It's not a... The thing is, is we're not making it a spiritual gifts inventory. We're not, uh, when we when we send this out, we are not saying, oh, uh, we know exactly how God has worked in your life to bring you to this moment. Um, and uh, because of your natural personality type uh, or the things that you gravitate toward, clearly that's a, a spiritual gift. We are not equating the two contrary to what some other people do. But when it comes to these spiritual gifts, um, people often look at them as personality tests where we can look at the Bible, read these spiritual gifts lists, find out which one we resonate with the most, and then press into that so that we are uh, finding our true calling as, uh, as God's children. Um, how would you answer that kind of idea, Zach? So when when somebody describes spiritual gifts more like a personality test, like, again, I'm not saying it's always wrong to, to do something like that. What uh, it immediately does is it sets up the entire question of gifts as a question of uh, your own individual um, desires rather than the local church. And when we read in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, which are two key passages on 1 Corinthians gifts, both of them are how gifts function within a local church. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, a personality-driven view of gifts can individualize what God has meant to um, be a part of community. And it might necessarily have, like it again, reads in a particular view of what a, a gift is. Like, well, I have a static gift that God gave me and uh, it's now the church's job to give me a chance to express that gift rather than starting with what the church is and then how God equips his, his local church. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So let me give an example, and you tell me if this is what you're generally getting at. Someone, uh, they start attending the church, they become a member, and then they uh, approach you, they approach me, they approach uh, one of our other pastors at the church or something like that, and they ask, um, Pastor, I have the the spiritual gift of teaching. Um, can, can I 
uh, teach here in Soteria U this next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this uh, thing I'd like to teach about where I'm walking through the, the book of Hosea. What would you say in that moment? Uh, well, I'm not going to get into a debate about spiritual gifts right now. I'm, 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 but, but no, I don't, I have no way of knowing that because they've just presented it as an individual view. Um, and, but the gifts are always connected to the the body. And so my pastoral response would be like, that's really great. I'd love to be able to see you just participate for a while and then, um, maybe give you a few chances, but like, it's not a, a blank check to let somebody come in. Conversely, I might say, Somebody might, I might say, here's a need within the church. Have you ever considered teaching within children's ministry? Mm-hmm. And they'd say, oh, I, I just don't have a gift for that. And um, I think that upon more reflection on Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, that God is equipping his local church to fulfill their ministry, and he is going to use people to meet those needs. And so it is very possible that God will gift somebody to do something, even though they don't, even though they don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what what exactly do we believe about spiritual gifts here at Soteria? When we when we think about spiritual gifts, um, sometimes these gifts we're bringing up now, like teaching and giving and hospitality, uh, they come to our minds. But more often than not. When we think about spiritual gifts, our minds immediately go toward the extravagant, the uh, elaborate signed gifts that were present in the New Testament, like speaking in tongues, prophecy, um, healings, all of these different types of gifts. Uh, so what, what is it that we believe at Soteria? Yeah, so maybe we can start with what our statement of faith says, and then we can unpack that for a little bit. I do like how you made us all wait to talk about the question that everybody has, and that is, what do we believe about sign gifts? So what is, what is our position? Our statement of faith says this, we believe that gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to build up the body of Christ. We believe that the sign gifts, and we'll define those as things like uh, tongues, healings, and prophecy, or foretelling prophecy, were temporary, providing revelation for the church and authenticity authenticating the ministry of the apostles. But when we talk through these, um, what Soteria believes regarding spiritual gifts, we base a lot of it out of the passages within Scripture that talk about spiritual gifts, like Romans 8, I mean, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter. Um, But most of it goes back to Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2.20, we read, built on the foundation, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. A lot of these spiritual gifts were primarily given as the foundation of the church through the ministry of the apostles. Yeah, so we're unpacking that word. What does it mean that we believe that the the gifts or certain gifts were temporary, uh, providing revelation for the church? Why do we believe that? Uh, we do know that 1 Corinthians 13 does say that gifts are temporary. There is debates about when they will cease, uh, but what I don't know that I have a position on that, but I think 1 Corinthians 13 shows us that they will cease. And then if I go to other passages like what you just read, Ephesians 2.20, that 
that talks about the church, again, that very similar language of First Corinthians being a body um, and a building, uh, that the church is built on a foundation. Foundations are used once, and then we move on from that. So if we say, when did, when did the gift cease? We, we th- I think we can uh, historically, logically, and biblically conclude that they, um, that they were temporary and ceased uh, after the time of the apostles. Uh, I love that you brought in history into that because, as you know, Zach, I'm a little bit of a church history nerd, and uh, I find it fascinating that less than a, a couple hundred years after the church was founded and everything, there's this guy named Tertullian who comes along, and uh, he is part of a group, or eventually becomes part of a group called the Manichaean, uh, the Manichaeans, and Manichaeans were known as these people who were going around uh, claiming to be speaking in tongues. And Augustine, the one of the early church fathers, he criticized them severely um, because he said, not only are they not speaking actual languages, but speaking in tongues hasn't even been around since the end of the apostles. You go on later into church history and uh, all of the Christians who believed the correct teachings about the scripture, they would condemn people who who were uh, claiming to be speaking in tongues because they would, like Martin Luther, he condemned it because the scripture was final. The scripture was done. There was no need for more revelation. And uh, then we get into today's world and um, it kind of just came out of the blue in the early 1900s, uh, all of this speaking in tongues. So we're not taking the time to fully elaborate on why uh, Soteria has the position we do. If you want to learn more about that, you could go probably back to some of the First Corinthians series. And First Corinthians, we did a whole series on spiritual gifts um, probably about 10 years ago now. And you could listen to Pastor Mike uh, preach on that where he outlines that. Just I got a couple of practical questions for you on spiritual gifts as they relate to our church. Uh, we have unashamedly laid out our position. We don't apologize for, for what we would call a cessationist position, mm-hmm. but I have really good friends who are continuationists and really good friends who might be charismatic as well. Yep. Uh, how should we respond to them? Well, first we need to define uh, what these various positions are. Okay. And uh, when it comes to continuationism, continuationism is the belief that every spiritual gift that was given in the New Testament is um, is available and given to the church at large today, yes. whether that is speaking in tongues or the gift of administration, um, both of those all of the gifts are available to the church today, and the Holy Spirit is giving them to the church. What's what is what differentiates continuationism from charismatics? Yeah, yeah sure. So I have friends who would be continuationists, and then you know, when I say a charismatic, or I distinguish between that. So again, the word charismatic is just simply word from the Greek word gifts, charisma, uh, charisma. Um, but a, a charismatic position tends to be more so one that that uh, believes that the Holy Spirit. Uh, at a second work of grace within the life of a believer, bestows on all believers the gift of tongues. Yes, that is a huge, important difference between continuationists and charismatics. Continuationists, they would say, your spiritual gift is given to you by 
uh, God's grace, but that doesn't add anything to your salvation. Charismatics would say, no, the sign gifts are so important, particularly speaking in tongues, that you can never be fully assured of your salvation until you have been baptized by the Spirit through speaking in tongues. Um, We would say, no, baptism of the Spirit happens when we are saved. Uh, you can go back to our episode on spirit baptism if you, um, that interests you. But uh, charismatics would say it is something that comes later as the final confirmation of your salvation. And then there are people like us who are cessationist. And even in, within cessationism, there are different camps. Uh, there's total cessationism where there are no spiritual gifts today. Those all ceased with the apostles. There are partial, partial cessationists who would say that uh, the sign gifts have ceased, uh, but the rest of the gifts are given and available. gifts, yes. Yeah, they are given and available to the church today. And then there are some who would call themselves soft cessationists who would be like, I'm pretty sure, but I just don't want to totally limit God. Uh, maybe I might ask that question. If you are a cessationist, do you think that God no longer works in miraculous ways? I would say no. God does not provide extra revelation. He can provide direction and guidance uh, through the Holy Spirit, but that does not equate revelation. Uh, I would distinguish revelation being particularly related to God giving authoritative, inerrant word, um, but that God can... Uh, give you, um, he can guide you to maybe uh, give you this idea that you need to go and talk to that particular person and uh, share the gospel with them or give you those. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, maybe I would like to just, dist- I like to distinguish between giftings for the edifying and building up the body. And then, then if God does something amazing um, in Turkey today, praise the Lord for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a different question altogether than what we're talking about in First Corinthians twelve, right? And so, and does God do miracles today? I would say yes, He does. He is constantly acting. Um, does he do it through the hands of somebody th- with a gift of healing. That's uh, where I would yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. draw the line. You can go and you can pray for someone, and uh, you can read uh, James chapter five, for instance, and it says, "If someone is sick, bring them before the the pastors of the church and let them pray over him." And uh, because the prayer of a righteous van availeth much, as it says in the King James. But um, when that happens, it's the person is healed, not because someone had the spiritual gift of healing, but because the Holy Spirit worked through prayer and God worked through uh, the prayers of his people. And I would see miracles coming uh, if if Christians have anything to do with miracles at all, it is through praying for God to work um, despite our inadequacies. Yeah. It's not because of us. It's despite us that God works. Um, That's good. So let, let's just uh, talk about a couple of practical things. Like, first of all, I need to just remind people that if you really love to test and benefited it from, uh, don't take our banter as a criticism of what has been helpful to you. Okay. So that, that, that's just a, I'm just trying to add to the conversation about spiritual gifts rather than subtracting what you have benefited uh, from. Um, Second of all, if you're thinking, where do I, how do I serve within the church? Uh, What do I do? Um, 
I think one of Paul's points in 1 Corinthians is just to spend less time evaluating and more time serving. Uh, and God will come alongside you, even as you take big risks and step out of your side of your comfort, comfort zone in order to serve the church. Uh, another Im- important thing is don't, don't just uh, spend time serving, but stretch yourself uh, yeah. with the serving. You can, uh, you can find things you're comfortable doing and uh, uh, start serving in that particular way. And you might be good at it, and that, that's great. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if you're not pushing yourself to serve in ways that are, necess- that are uh, more outside of your comfort zone, you're never going to discover if uh, God has equipped you to serve in those particular ways as well. Yeah. Failures in ministry may not be and are likely not an indication of a lack of, of gifting in a certain area. I'm sure you and I, and possibly even Pastor Mike, have had failed sermons, have had failed lessons. Does that mean that there's not a, a gift of teaching? No, I don't think that. That's part of God's sanctifying grace and allowing us to depend on him rather than our own personality test. There is a—this um, is— when it comes to uh, serving, when it comes to serving and um, and exercising spiritual gifts within the church, Zach, um, I don't know about you, but I have found when I am most inadequate, that's when I see God work the most through me. Where there was one time a while back, I was uh, preaching and. For the life of me, all the way up until I was preaching this sermon, I could not figure out how I was going to close the sermon and uh, how I was going to conclude it. And then while I was preaching in the middle of it, things just clicked and uh, uh, concluded the sermon and had um, people who normally evaluate my sermons telling me that was one of the best conclusions you have ever had for a sermon. (laughs) And I literally didn't have a conclusion in my notes because I could not think of how to conclude this sermon. And then the Holy Spirit just worked through me and did that. Uh, I was incredibly yourself, grateful don't write your conclusion no that's not what you're saying that's, <laughs> no that's wonderful no so, um yeah. but uh at other times i i always find it fun to talk to new christians who uh have started to share the gospel with people and they have reached out trying to um trying to share the gospel with various people they get so excited that they did so and i asked them to explain so what exactly did you say when you shared the gospel and they kind of stumble over their words. They can't even really remember what it is that they said, but they remember sharing accurately what the gospel was. And that is because uh, when they were out serving, the Holy Spirit began working through them and gave them the words to say in that particular moment. Um, and that's what happens when we step outside of our strength and uh, and start serving um, out of dependence on the spirit for working in our lives it ends up turning um turning gifts less into a personality test and more into simple dependence on who he is and what he's done that's very good it's also really hard to to differentiate between the action of the gift and the one who is doing the gift because these spiritual gifts they aren't this is where the personality test idea gets wrong is we tend to view spiritual gifts as things given to us, not things given to 
the church. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you ex- explain that? I think because of our modern reading of passages, we can import into these verses a very mechanical and a very personal, like a very mechanical view of what gifts are, a very business oriented rather than an organic view. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and we should probably add even Ephesians 4, where God gifts to the, his church, uh, it is an organic view of people. And it's not merely a talent or a superpower that is given, but it's actually a person who's given to the church. Mm-hmm. And so Paul wants the, the church in Corinth to actually value not just gifts, but people the people who are in different positions throughout the church. So so what that means, growth group leaders, for you and your groups, uh, don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what people in your group's spiritual gift is and trying to get them plugged in into the exact sort of ministry that fits uh, what God has given them. That's the personality test idea of spiritual gifts. Instead, when it comes to these spiritual gifts, sure, God might equip you for a particular ministry, but when that ministry is being fleshed out, the rest of the church is not going to see what you're doing. They are going to see you doing it. Um, so rather than trying to, as growth group leaders, figure out the perfect place for your people to serve, simply try to equip them to serve, give them opportunities to serve and to fail in serving. Uh, And by doing that, you enable them to uh, find out where God has gifted them, where he is not. Um, I don't, I don't go up to pastor Mike after he preaches on a Sunday and say, wow, thank you so much for the sermon. I say, thank you for preaching the sermon. It's, it's uh, the person that God is working through. Um, not the, not the, um, the action itself. So it's been said before, um, when it comes to spiritual gifts, use them. Don't just seek them. Just keep serving. Thank you for joining us today on Propagate, where we grow in community by multiplying healthy groups through the ministry of the word. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Propagate is a ministry of Soteria Church in West Des Moines, Iowa. To learn more, visit SoteriaDSM.com today.